0: The Tennis Scaling Podcast and Sports Scaling Podcast is presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by IPVanish. IPVanish is the official VPN of SGPN and they're offering 70% off if you go to ipvanish.com slash SGP that's ipvanish.com slash SGP. And make sure to Check out Draft Day 2.0 starting August 9th at noon Pacific. Ryan, Real Money Kramer will begin drafting for 24 hours straight. The Fantasy Football Marathon will raise money for Daryl, a loyal listener who was injured in a motorcycle accident. Head to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash draft day for more details. And welcome everybody to the tennis gambling podcast here on the sports gambling podcast network. I'm your host Scott Rochelle, and of course, I'm joined by my co-host Sam Jacob. And together, we're going to go through the semifinals of the City Open, and then talk about the final in Los Cabos. But before all that introduction, Sam, how's it going with you?
1: I right, can't complain. We had some good uh, hardcore, hardcore tennis matches coming up. Um, I'm glad to see them in the uh, late evening now instead of the early morning. So um, I could be ready to watch them uh, at a normal hour instead of having to wake up at 5 a.m. like we did for the Team Dimit- uh, team uh, Barrettini match we did last week. But
0: Yeah, see, it's a little bit tricky because, of course, since we live in the, on the East Coast – We prefer to watch the matches at a normal time. The problem is, for the podcast purposes, it's very tough to actually organize a schedule when one tournament starts at noon and the other starts at 10 p.m. It's pretty tough to actually find the right time period to actually create midweek episodes unless we record it at 4 a.m. Yeah, what's the time of recording today? Uh, right now, it's 4.30 a.m. Eastern time. So, That's once dedication. again, it's a little bit tricky. We were going to do another episode during the middle of the week, but based on scheduling, it's pretty difficult. We're going to have to brainstorm and come up with a definitive time that would fit both of our schedules that would actually apply to regular late-night East Coast tennis. But either way, it should be fun. What? Uh,
1: you're not up at 5 a.m. doing like a workout so we could uh, talk tennis at 6 a.m.? Or?
0: Well, I'm up, but I know that you're you know, sleeping, <laughs> so that's a separate story. <laughs> My sleep schedule is so bad that I actually thought about doing a solo podcast at like 4.30 a.m. yesterday. Ended up not doing it. But I was going to recap quickly what happened on the last show. Overall, our locks were not very good. I'll be honest. We had Goyochik beating Pear because Pear never wins any matches, and Pear showed up that day, unfortunately for us, as he won in two competitive sets, and then I leaned towards Golfen over Sock, up 4-1, double break first set, absolutely punted the thing, and then Sock was keeling over because of the heat in Washington, D.C., held on, ended up winning in straight sets too, so unfortunate there, but... For the underdogs, we did do pretty well. I had the over 2.5 sets in the Kempfer and Quan match, which got there. I leaned to Avashka over Korda, and he lost in straight sets, two competitive sets. And you went for two really serious long shots. You had Nishioka over Brooksby at, I believe, around plus 270, I think was the price. Uh, plus 250. In- Plus 250, he got there. He won in straight sets. And then you also had Echeverry over uh, Kubler. He won the first set. He fell apart after that. But if you ended up backing Sam's two dogs, you could have had a nice hedging opportunity with Echeverry after he won the first set. So you had a very nice day with the dogs. I had a pretty underwhelming day, but I didn't lose everything. I still had one underdog at plus money. But... Any other takeaways you had from the tournament or you still riding high on that cash you had with Nishioka?
1: Well, uh I did say Kakanov, which was not which kind of fell short there, unfortunately. Fritz also fell short, you know, um he he's talked about over Twitter and over social media how he's been on crutches this whole time since Wimbledon. And the heat
0: he eventually heat. gave into fatigue and whatever. Right.
1: And we we see that who who won the quarter Nishioka. I'm not even sure we discussed the price on that. We did not. Yeah. So, but that is like an example of someone who could be a long shot, like. Uh, who I liked, Kakanov, who ended up losing to Nishioka. And um, I sought to win the quarter, was plus 550 for a guy like Kakanov. I don't even know what it was for Nishioka. But um, we tried to take a stab at uh, at Kakanov, but the mindset was there. Yeah, we
0: both had similar ideologies. You went for a long shot with Kakanov. I went for a long shot with uh, Zanderschlup, and he unfortunately lost in three sets to Tiafoe and then I kind of want to briefly break down how absurd the actual, semi, uh, the actual uh, pass round was for the City Open. Los Cabos, I know that Nori went three sets with Felix. It's been entirely chalk, so there's really not much to go through with Los Cabos. We expected Medvedev to coast, and we expected Nori against Felix, and we got it, that exact situation, but... Before we actually get into the craziness of the City Open, we're going to take a quick word from our sponsors. Make sure to get down on the Wins Bet $50 to win $200 promotion, where a $50 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. If you're betting baseball, you have to check out Win Bet for their reduced juice in baseball games, which makes them the best place to bet MLB. And if you also bet $500 on sports or casino, for July 31st. Get entered to win the ultimate fantasy football draft experience at Encore Beach Club, including a two-night stay at Wynn Resorts for you and your entire league. Multiple entries are allowed. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is download the WynnBet app or visit wynnbet.com to get started. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at wynnbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough WynnBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. one 800 4700 It's also time to announce Draft Day 2.0. Ryan Real Money Kramer from SGPN will be drafting fantasy football best ball teams for 24 hours straight. The drafting starts on August 9th at noon Pacific. The crew will be raising money for Daryl, a loyal listener who was injured in a motorcycle accident. You can draft with Ryan and a ton of special guests. All the details at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash draft day. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash draft day. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. For we on break, we talked briefly about how we did last week and what the actual layout was for the tournaments moving forward. But we do have to quickly talk about what happened on Friday night, especially in the City Open, because we had absolute chaos. And there was a lot of rain, so a couple of players had to actually play several matches on Friday because they had to make up the time on the schedule. But there were two really insane matches involving Americans – you had Korda in one match against Yemmer, and you had Tiafos' match against Kyrios. Do you have a preference? Because both matches were kind of psycho, and we could talk about either of them at any point you want.
1: Yeah, the korda Yemmer match was absolutely nuts. Uh, they, neither of them could hold serve. I mean, uh, Yemmer was serving for the match over there at the second set, and he Twice. was twice and he completely just vanished there where Corda broke him three times in a row. He was up five to two and, he, and Korda ended up beating him seven to five and Korda couldn't even take that momentum to the third set, losing um, his second and third service game to Yimmer. Uh, Yimmer going up five to one then Corda breaking him back and Yimmer breaking back and then winning six, three. It was just absolute madness and horrible serving Definitely, yeah. It was
0: was very, very good if you were betting game prices on just the returner to win because the server didn't hold much at all. Corda's a guy who we both think has talent, but mentally, especially, I think it's weird because he had a father who won a Grand Slam event. So I find it a little bit weird, but. Corda, can we at least acknowledge that for whatever reason, the young Americans just have some of the weakest mental toughness on the entire tour? What's that about?
1: Yeah, I don't know what that is all about because you have a guy like Tiafa and you have a guy like Corda, and they just, you know, when it's time to show up, they don't show up. When it's time to dig deep, they have not been digging deep. Um, And... It's it's just a shame. I mean, Brooksby last week uh, you could argue is the same situation losing in that uh, losing in that match last week. But I I don't know what it is with Americans. We had three Americans lose today um, on Friday. Actually, you had JJ Wolf. You had um, you had uh, Korda uh, Tiafoe and, Tiafoe and and, yeah. and Korda, right?
0: I'll give and, Wolf a pass. You know, Wolf had a good run. Beat Run in three. Face Rublev. He was a huge underdog. I'll give Wolf a pass. You know, I can't really roast him for it.
1: Right, but we're talking about Tiafo having, what was it, five match points over in that second set, and he still couldn't get it done. It's just, I don't know what it is with the Americans, but you're right there. They can't, it doesn't seem like they could dig deep when it's time to dig deep. And And we also saw it
0: in in Wimbledon. We saw Fritz matched up against an injured Nadal, and he
1: imploded. Down
0: Nadal. the stretch. Nadal, and,
1: I also have to give a pass to. But I'm saying awful.
0: Nadal couldn't move, though. Like, he had to retire from his match against Curios uh, Or withdraw, I should say, because he didn't even show up. But you're telling me Fritz really couldn't beat Nadal, who couldn't even play? In The, se- the whole thing was absurd. And I mentioned Corda and... Yemmer was up 5-2. He blew it. And then Corda got smacked in the third set. Yemmer actually got broken again. And then he broke Corda for the win. We know Corda's a lunatic. We know he can't serve. The Tiafoe one is especially crazy to me. Because Tiafoe had five match points in the second set tiebreak. Yes, a decent amount of them were on Kyrgios' to serve. And he, of course, serves very well. Tiafo had one very nice serve on match point, and Kyrios hit a phenomenal check, ser- uh, check return that landed right on the baseline, and it was a perfect return. Tiafo hit it out. But the issue I have with Tiafo is that when things go badly, he has no resolve whatsoever, and there were no breaks in the first two sets. Tiafo has a couple match points doesn't win any of them, loses the tie break, I believe 14-12. to And then he yells at the chair umpire for about three, four minutes. Then he goes to the locker room for nine minutes. And you're like, okay, he's clearly annoyed, whatever, bounce back, try to do something. You get broken in the first game of the third set, and then you get broken again? at the end, down 4-2 in the third? Really? Like, that's the best you can do, Tiafo? You get broken in the first game of the third set? At least show some type of mental toughness.
1: Yeah, I mean... It's really tough to say because he had the five match point match points and I guess that's what really broke him down. It's having that ability to be right there and having that opportunity to steal that match against a guy like Kyrgios and let it slip through your fingers. So uh, when something like that happens, uh, it's like what we will discuss about in Los Cabos. But it's just deflating for players, and especially like a guy like Tiafo who could be there and is almost there and could grasp it, but then you know, it kind of falls apart there. And he's he's a prime candidate, unfortunately, really unfortunately, um, for that to happen to. Um, I'm gonna actually even. I'm going to give more of a fault to Corda than Tiafo here because he's playing a guy like Michael Yimmer instead of a guy like Kyrgios. Obviously Yimmer can't serve. I mean,
0: we, we know Yimmer can't serve.
1: But it's still, it's, it's still upsetting to see that you need to see some mental toughness there when you're playing, um, and it goes like like that in the second set, and you're going to a third set. You know, it, it's an even match there. The, the the match resets. Whoever wins this match, uh, whoever wins the set, wins the match. You got to come back, especially with that big break of big break of time, I should say. Uh, you got to come back strong. So yeah, it was really unfortunate to see him break really early there in the in the third set, and then see him lose six two. Yeah, we've seen Corda self-destruct before. I'm going to give him a little bit of a
0: pass because he did come back from double breakdown in the second set and break three times in a row, which does take mental toughness. But I've seen Tiafo lose winnable sets all the time, either in two out of three matches or three out of five. And the following set, he punts. All the time. It's been the case his entire career. And I'm harsher on Tiafoe. Because it's one thing if you, bl- if you lose five match points. Okay. You get broken the first game in the third set? Really? Like, Corda, I-, I get it. You can argue pre-match he should have won. But he at least came back. From five two down, double break in the second set. So you can argue that Tiafoe, even though Corda uh, struggled in the third set, he shouldn't have been there in the first place. So I'll give him a tip of the cap there. But I don't know how many times I need to see Tiafo fully implode after a very winnable set. He just shuts. He just shuts it down. I mean, there's yep. no other way around it. Curios, we know, is a decent returner when he wants to return. But Kyrgios really doesn't try in a decent amount of these return games. You got broken twice?
1: Really? It, it, it's the same thing. It's a, almost the same story as Tiafo versus Goffin in Wimbledon where Tiafo is up two sets to one, and then Goffin ties it up 2-2, two, two, and he ends up losing the fifth set. I mean, he also
0: he had a double break point it's, against it's like, Goffin, and then he right, got broken the following game.
1: It's like, it's like once he's up and then they, they even the score, it's over for Tiafo. Yeah. And it's, it's a shame to see this mentality like that. It's a shame to see the Americans' mentalities like that. Uh, I mean, I couldn't say even Isner or anyone like that could break that mentality. Uh, and I don't know what it is with the Americans, but we, we see it all the time, and it is a real shame.
0: And we talk about that when we look upon the big three in tennis with Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer, of course. And the reason why they've dominated in most of the Grand Slam events for the last 15-plus years, it's the mental part of the game. And we've seen each of the big three be involved in some wars against some of the unknown commodities compared to the big three, and yet it seems like they always have a certain gear or a certain level of toughness, which allows them to buckle down and survive in a couple of really awful situations. And the main thing that I've noticed from the really everybody else on the ATP tour, when the going gets tough, most of these guys quit. Have you noticed the same thing?
1: Yeah, it's it's all about mental toughness. But especially during Grand Slam, um, where it's three out of five, that's when it really, really gets tough. Two out of three, we've seen some big guys uh, lose in some certain situations, but in the three out of fives, that's when it really, really matters. And these players who are – and the rest of these players who are in the ATP tour seem to completely shut down because they can't handle the mental toughness. And you see the big three or the big five even that are able to handle the pressure and are able to prevail at the end of the match.
0: I'm trying to think of some examples on top of my head, and the first thing I could think of is Medvedev against Nadal in the Australian Open final. You had Nadal against Chapovalov in one of the earlier rounds. I believe that was the quarters, I think. It might have been the semis, but the point is, Chapo just tied up the match. Nadal took a 10-minute timeout in between sets, and Chapo got broken in the first game of the fifth set. You saw really a lot of cases involving Djokovic. We saw Sitsipas blow a 2 nothing lead against Djokovic in the French Open final, and we've just seen it time and time again. A lot of these younger guys just really can't handle the spotlight, or at least they can't handle the constant pressure that the big three, most of the big two now, because Federer, no offense to Federer fans, he's kind of done at this point. But I'm really waiting for one of the younger guys, the next-gen guys, to fully embrace the competition and the pressure. And we saw Medvedev win in three sets in the U.S. Open. I still think Djokovic was battling an injury, going for the Grand Slam, and it seemed like he was kind of wavering down the stretch. But that's really what separates the big three from everybody else in the last 20 years. It's mental toughness. And we've seen Federer... Nadal, and Djokovic end up in tough spots, and they never blink. And it seems like every other tennis player ever has blinked. Is that a right. fair statement?
1: Yeah, and we have a recent example of that when Djokovic played center in, the, in Wimbledon. That was Djokovic, one I
0: forgot about. I was going to mention that.
1: Djokovic down two sets, no problem for Djokovic. He's happy to play these young guys who he knows once, once he wins a, one of these sets, the third set, let's just say, because he's down 2 nothing, that he could come back and win it without a problem. And we saw that within the score of that match, Djokovic was able to break a few times, even in the single set, in the fourth set and fifth set, and able to take it back. But especially, I remember 2021, uh, Djokovic played Musetti, and Musetti was up two also in sets to Djokovic. And Djokovic said, even in the press conference, I don't mind being in that position against the young guys because he knows him compared to the young guys when it comes to mental toughness towards the end of the match, he could take over. It doesn't matter what, if he gets any momentum, he knows that he could – Completely take over the match, six twos, six ones, six zeros without a problem. And that's where these people, where the rest of the tour really lacks. Uh, Medvedev is another example of somebody who has real mental toughness. Of course, he's in the world number one right now. Yeah, I was going to but- say
0: Medvedev is kind of the bridge in between the mental toughness. Yeah. Team has had some shots there too when he was healthy, beat Djokovic in a couple of French opens, a couple of really thrilling f- uh, five setters but Medvedev ended up blowing the two-set uh, triple break point lead against Nadal in the Australian Open final. We saw him beat Djokovic. He also had that thrilling U.S. Open final against Nadal a couple of years ago, but it's really just what separates them. And to segue back to what we were talking about, the City Open, and we talked about the Americans. You have Tiafoe and Korda, and – We saw with Fritz against an injured Nadal. I don't know what it is, but the Americans just can't seem to get over the hump. And the main reason to me is mental toughness.
1: You? Uh yeah, and, and it's really it's really the rest of the ATP tour as well. We saw that, and to transition over to Los Cabos, Medvedev uh, played Kachanovich's driver on, on Friday night, and they went to a tiebreak first set. Kachanovich played a very very good set there, but he was Medvedev was able to completely destroy on the tiebreaker, going up seven zero, and Ketchmanovich had nothing coming out in the second set, losing six to one, having Medvedev break him immediately. Um, and going up to nothing, then he was able to hold serve, and then Medvedev broke him again. So that would, that would complete the 6-1. But these players, once they see a scoreline like that or see somebody else come back, it's an issue for them to reset their mental stability, reset their mental state, and come back into the third or second set or the fourth set, even in Grand Slam, be like, okay, it's time for me to buckle down and finish this match.
0: I'm trying to think of any player right now who actually has that capability besides the big two that are remaining. We mentioned Medvedev maybe half the time. Medvedev's kind of on the fence. But, I mean, Alcaraz, we saw kind of self-destruct there against Sinner in the last tournament in Umog. But it seems like Alcaraz is very good at fighting off match points. Is he the closest in terms of mental toughness to the big two? I really don't know. The point is the disparity between Nadal Djokovic and everyone else for mental toughness is staggering. And that's the reason why we've seen the big two or big three win every Grand Slam up to this point.
1: Yeah, and so it, it also de- depends on the round that they're in. Of course, if they're in the early rounds, some guy like... Cameron Norrie in, in Wimbledon, he went down 2-1 to one against Munar was able to come back and win the match 4th uh, set 6-0, 5th set 6-2.
0: Yeah, he was but- also up a set against Djokovic, though, and he fell apart.
1: You know, right. Yeah. So. I mean, it, 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 I feel like you look across the court and see who you're also uh, matched up with over in the quarter or semifinals and see what's going on. But w- when it comes to the Americans specifically, the point really is, is that even when they're playing some guys that are not on the top of the on the top level or top tier, they still are a- are able to fall apart even when the match gets tied up one to one instead, two to two instead, and that's really really the shame of it all uh, yep. even even if it is a guy like michael yimmer quarter falls falls apart or uh, or these americans fall apart and that's what re- we're really talking about here it's
0: unfortunate because we've talked about in the past how the last american to win a male grand slam tournament was roddick back in 2003 it's a long time and Roddick could have potentially beaten Federer and Wimbledon, ended up losing in five sets. He had a shot there. I still remember the missed volley in that second set tiebreak, which was unfortunate. But still, it's been a long time. And mental toughness has been something that's been lacking from the next generation for a while. And if you wonder why the big three or you know two of the greatest players of all time still dominate, mental toughness is the unquantifiable metric that they will always exceed the younger class in. And that's something that needs to grow. But either way, I kind of want to go through those two uh, American matches in the City Open because they were kind of wild. But either way, time to move on to the semis of the City Open. And we have two uh, huge favorites, Uh, no other way to put it. You have Rublev, who is a huge favorite, taking on Nishioka. He's around minus 500. Minus 475. And you have Kyrgios, who's around minus 480 against Yemmer. Sam, I'll start off with you. Are you expecting any shockers, or do you think that you're just going to end up getting Kyrgios uh, Rublev?
1: Yeah, it's it's not really a shocker here. Uh, With the guys that are playing Kyrgios and Rublev, unfortunately are not the greatest servers, which is something that you definitely need um, to hold off, hold your serve, and end up breaking, hopefully, once you hold serve. Um, These guys, they're they're not the best servers. Obviously, we see all that in the previous matches. So uh, I I can't really give any credit to um, Ymir and Nishioka for this match. I give credit for them to make the semifinals. But coming into this match, guys who are such high class, like Rublev and Kyrgyz, it's bad matches for them. It's bad matchups. Kyrgyz did play a guy like Tiafo, who could hit big forehands, could have big serves, which made him waver a little bit and had Tiafo winning the first set. But I don't see any of these guys dropping even a set to Nishioka or Yimmer. What I'm really looking for is an alternative total or spread that could give you a little bit of a plus money because with these guys not being able to serve well, Rublev and Kyrgios can break early and often and... I think um, the over-unders, alternatively, like a Kyrgios under 21 and a half, something like that at plus 115, uh, is really what you should be looking for. Yeah,
0: I'm trying to figure out a case I can make for either underdog. I don't think Nishioka's got a shot, if I'm being honest. He's played a couple of marathon matches. Very nice win against Evans. Props to him there coming back down a break in the third set. But Rublev just has too much power, in my opinion, on the forehand side. And you look at who Nishioka's played. Evans, we know, is more of a finesse player. Pretty much slices every backhand. Not much power. Not a great server either. We know Kakanov's a lunatic who's not afraid to spray the ball over the court. Rublev has that nice middle ground of controlled aggression where he's able to really rocket the forehand while not hitting that many unforced errors, I think he's just going to overpower Nishioka, right?
1: Yeah, Ru- Rublev is, should be able to overpower Nishioka easily, especially if he's not able to hold the serve, which we saw in, in the Dan Evans match. Uh, he, you know, they could get broken at any time, both these guys, Nishioka and Ymer, And unfortunately, if you're playing guys like Rublev and Kyrgios, uh, with Rublev's monster... Forehands and backhand returns. He's not a guy that plays back like Medvedev or Team very defensively, uh, but it won't it won't necessarily mean anything when you're playing a guy like Nishiyoko who can't serve much. So it won't really. I don't think it won't it would really matter in these matches. And Rublev and Kyrgios, who have both monster shots will be able to take advantage. Uh, I don't know any other way to put it. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out the same situation for the
0: Kyrgios match against Yemmer. I guess the argument is that Rublev had an easy match in the two sets against Wolf compared to the three-set war that Nishioka had. So maybe you're hoping that Yemmer, who had a three-set war against Korda, can maybe deal with Kyrgios, who had a three-set war against Tiafo, So maybe fatigue might play a factor there. I think you're going to see Rublev against Curios in the final. I'm not going to try to pretend that there was an upset with an opportunity. Maybe you can argue Yemmer to win a set if you think Curios really just mentally shuts down for a set. I don't see it. It's really difficult when we try to talk about where the value lies, but we just like the favorites because they're so much better than the opposition. The problem is when you have two Cinderella runs... Eventually, you run into Goliath, and I think Goliath is too good in these two situations. So I'm looking at Rublev against Kyrgios. If I had to pick one underdog, I'd probably pick Yemmer because Kyrgios might mentally self-destruct or punt a set here and there. I think Rublev's just going to kill him.
1: You? Yeah, he he's a he's stone solid here. He he has the um the fatigue factor on his side, Rublev, because he has not played much. And you look back at the head-to-heads versus Nishioka, both sets, I mean both matches, he won two nothing, and they were both six-one-six-three. Well,
0: Nishioka won the but... first one, but they played this past like year or so, and Rublev killed them.
1: They they were both six right they were both six one six three but Rublev played in twenty twenty one and Nushioko was playing in twenty nineteen um, it, it's just a completely different ball game now Rublev was able to win two nothing in every single match that he played so far in the city open Curios obviously had a little bit of a marathon against Tiafo, able to come through six two in that last set uh, yeah if you're gonna make an argument for one of them it's got to be Yimmer, but he, he, You can't really even do Yimmer because he also had a marathon against quarter where they're both breaking, 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 which is very tough to handle as well in the mentality. And especially because Yimmer played three sets every single match this tournament against Mm -hmm. Murray, three sets, against Karasip, three sets, against Rizavori, three sets, quarter, three sets. Uh, I can't even say that Kyrgyz, the fatigue factor is going to kick in because Jumar on the other side can also have the fatigue factor kick in. So uh, I I think it's going to be chalk here, Rublev-Kyrgyz final. Uh, I mean, you have the option of looking at a a future here uh, where Kyrgyz is plus 100 and Rublev is plus 140. If you think the, uh, the fatigue could be a factor with Kyrgios, Rublev plus 140, not so bad. But when it comes to the final itself, I don't see anyone being there besides those two.
0: Yeah, for the record, out of those two outrights, I would lean Rublev. I have more confidence in Rublev at this point. So mm-hmm. I'd probably lean to him if I had to pick an outright. But we're going to pivot and talk about Los Cabos. You have Medvedev against Nori. Uh, we both pretty much called this to a T. I'm gonna pat this I'm gonna pat myself on the back though because I recommended Medvedev at around minus two hundred and Nori about plus six hundred before the tournament started. So I automatically win. I'm basically free rolling at this point. I got no reason to hedge anything because I got money on both guys. But Medvedev is around minus two hundred ninety-five on the money line, and based on spread, he is expected to coast. Minus three and a half is minus one forty. Minus four and a half is plus 120. They played uh, somewhat recently, I guess you can say, and Medvedev killed them. Uh, they played in 2019, if you want to count that as semi-recent. Not really. Medvedev won six three six one. 3 uh, Nori's off a three-set marathon against Felix. Medvedev's off not dropping a set up to this point like we both thought he wouldn't because he had an easy road to the final. You want to make a case for the underdog or we're just going with Medvedev again?
1: I'm not making a case for the underdog. Uh, we were watching Nori play Albert, and we kind of agreed the same thing that we see Nori kind of play the same style as Medvedev in the case of trying to just hit this, these balls right back into play without hitting monster shots. Uh, of course, Medvedev is longer, he's quicker, he's better bigger, surf. he's better served. So I, I can't make any case for Nori who has the worst of the two in serving and in play style itself. I think you'll see a lot, a lot of long points uh, in this match, but... If you take a look at Nor even versus Auger, he had two aces in the entire match. It's going to be really tough to out Daniel Medvedev against Daniel Medvedev. So I can't make a case for him. Minus 295. If you even wanted to take the money line, I wouldn't mind it at all. Um, I don't think there's a way. I don't. I, I think Medvedev is just going to be able to bring home the trophy, especially on his court of, his surface of preference, the hard court. The question really is, is if he will cover the spread, and he'll have a lot of chances to do so. Um, it's a little bit tough when you have a guy, when it's minus four and a half. If Daniel Medvedev serves first, I think it's going, going to be a minus four and a half, a plus 120 will be nice, and he should coast to it. Um, for the reasons I said before, You know, he's, he's playing the same game style, he can't out Medvedev, Medvedev, but... Uh, minus 3.5, minus 140, definitely a good option as well if you're scared that he doesn't serve first and you just need a break in both the sets.
0: I think the only counterpoint you'd have for Nori is that he won the title last year, so maybe he can hold up under the heat in Los Cabos a little bit better, but they play the same style and Medvedev's better. I, I mean, I'm trying to think of an argument here. Nori gave up 17 aces to Felix. He ended up winning he faced more break points than Felix did. He just ended up holding them off better. So Felix had opportunities, but I'm expecting, as you said before, every point to be like 15-plus shots. And the issue that I run into for Nori is that between two quality, I'd say solid court coverage players, it's a question of who can get more free points. And based on the serve... Medvedev's going to get a lot more free points. So I think it's going to be competitive. I think it's going to be worst case and entertaining two sets. I I can't go against Medvedev because you're looking at the actual matches that they just played, and Medvedev had one competitive set in this entire tournament. You can argue the first set in the first round where he won 6-4, but he won 7-6 against Kecmanovic. And that was it. That entire match took an hour and 25 because he ended up coasting through the second set. And Nori's match against Felix took two hours and 18 minutes. So Medvedev should be more rested. We know that it's a battle of well-conditioned athletes, but I think Medvedev's a lot better. So am I picking him to win in straight sets? I think that's a little bit iffy. I think Nori could maybe sneak one set in maybe, but I'm not picking him to win. I think Medvedev, as we said before the tournament started, is a top three hardcore player on the planet. I'm not going to go against him. I think Medvedev lifts the trophy.
1: Yeah, I think he has no problem. I, I I would think that he has no problem even taking in straight sets. I don't see a set in my opinion where Norrie is able to out Medvedev. Medvedev, um, if you get a good price over at the two nothing in sets, I'm not sure if if you see any. Do you see any odds on the two nothing over? And Los Cabos final or?
0: Uh, let me see quickly. Sorry, I was looking at the city open odds. Uh, give me a sec. Uh, let me see what I got here. I mean, it's it should be plus money. I mean, it's plus. Uh, yeah, minus- two, no-
1: two nothing plus one hundred. I, I yeah, think that's, that's not a, bad. That's a good play. I, I think there's definitely some value there. I think I'll the line will change a little bit when it comes time to the first service. But um, I don't think Cameron Orr is going to be out, out doing Medvedev, and that's, that's, that's all there, there is to it. If it goes to a tiebreaker, I think Medvedev will be able to dig deep, and that'll be that. You won't have to worry about a spread there either. You'll just have to worry about Medvedev winning each set. So plus 100, to nothing is definitely a good deal.
0: Okay. Well, I can understand that angle, but either way, we are going to get into the lock and dog segment, but before we do all that, we're gonna have a quick word from our sponsor. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode does not actually protect your privacy? That's right, without added security, you might as well give away all your private information to hackers, advertisers, your ISP and other prying eyes. That's why I use IP Vanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. That means all your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use Vanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing speed, on computers, tablets, phones, even fire-sick devices while streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IP Vanish. Plus, IPVanish has a great deal in place. It's offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's just like getting nine months absolutely free. IPVanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back with the brand rated 4.6 out of five on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com slash SGP and use promotional code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's ipvanish.com slash SGP. We're also brought to you by Odds Trader On this podcast, I've mentioned time and time again, the importance of shopping your lines. And while it might be annoying, to pull up several books to find the best one available for you. It takes a lot of effort and luckily for us, Odds Trader does the work for you because Odds Trader is the perfect place to compare odds from all the major sports books in one central location. You can also compare the different signup codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal when you initially sign up. The app provides you with player statistics, key game stats, injury reports, and projected game day weather for betters to make the most informed bets possible. It also has a bet tracker feature, so betters can keep records of all their games and betting activity. Go to oddstradercom wire. oddsTrader—the number one site for all of your game day bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the tennis gambling podcast. We went through the potential semifinal matchups and what we expected to happen in the City Open. Then we went through the finals of Los Cabos. Now it's time to actually get into the lock and dog segment, people's favorite segments, where we talk about the actual uh, best bets for the show. Sam, I'm going to let you go first. What is your lock for this podcast?
1: All right. So I'm going to go to the city opener for my lock. And for the reasons we d- discussed before, I'm going to the Rublev-Nishioka match, and I'm going with the under 21.5 games at minus 135. Uh, and is not well-rested in the least. He went to three sets in every single one of his matches so far. And Rublev is well-rested or doesn't have that fatigue factor, beating J.J. Wolf in the previous round 6-2, six, 6-3. Six, oh, no, I'm sorry. I mixed it up. Um, Yimmer went to three sets every single round, but Nishioka went to three sets against Evans and against Demonauer, went 7, six, seven six against Cak. Off, but still, the fatigue factor is there. A lot of different factors are all against Nishioka here. And Rublev, the more consistent player compared to Kyrgios. I'm going to that matchup. I think Kyrgios—I I mean, I think Rublev should have no problem breaking Nishioka's serve, especially what we've seen with the, the Nishioka match we, uh, against Evans. I just think Rublev is going to be able to overpower him here. I think he should be able to get a break in each of the sets. Um, that he plays against them. I think he should easily win 2-0. Um, a 2 nothing. let me just look at the odds there. Uh, Rublev to win 2 nothing. also, minus 145, kind of similar. Uh, I would take that as well. I don't think there's really a fighting chance for Nishioka if he's not able to get a serve perfect uh and so we haven't been able to see that in the prior matches given all these breaks given that the fact that he's played Dan Evans and only served two aces three double faults uh every every point's going to be in play Rublev's going to be able to take advantage of it i'm um, going with the under 21 and a half for Rublev
0: okay and what is your dog for the podcast
1: Uh, My dog is something we just searched up. I'm actually going to Los Cabos. Medvedev, 2-0, plus 100. Um, I think that's a great price for a guy that basically is going to play the exact same style as Medvedev. um, You mean as as
0: Nori, but whatever.
1: Nori's going to be playing the same exact style as Medvedev, um, except for Medvedev actually has a better serve. I don't think there's uh, really a case for Nori to be able to – break Medvedev in a way that Medvedev can't break back and therefore win a set. And at plus 100, I think it's great value for Medvedev to do what he does best, take home the trophy without dropping a set, win 2 nothing, and, you know, ride off in the sunset. Okay, so for me,
0: for my lock, it's tough to find many value plays because we like all the favorites. But I want to go with a three-pick parlay. And I'm going to take the favorites. I'm going to take Rublev Moneyline, money Moneyline, and Medvedev Moneyline. And that three-pick pays out at minus 101. I don't see the underdogs having much of a shot. I think if it's anybody, it's going to be Nori, obviously, because he's still a top-ten player in the world. But Medvedev's better. So I'll take that three-pick Moneyline parlay as my lock. And for my dog, kind of an overlap with you, but more risky I'm going to take Rublev minus five and a half games at plus 175. I think he kicks the shit out of Nishioka. I'm trying to think of a case I can make for him. I guess the argument is that he can keep the ball in play and hope that Rublev self-destructs. But he's coming off a three-set war against his previous opponent while Rublev coasted to a straight-set win against Wolf. We talked about a Rublev should overpower him. Rublev's a better server. Nishioka can hold, but 6 6-3, 6-3 is a winner for me, and that could potentially be one break in one of the two sets. I think Rublev is going to feast in Nishioka service games. I'll take the minus 5.5 at plus 175. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, that's uh, the same thing I, I have for my, for my uh, lock. I just thought uh, if Nishioka's not able to serve 100%, which, you know, two aces against Dan Evans in a three cent match is, you know, it's uh, embarrassing. prime I mean, suspect. There's no other way to put
0: it. I mean, of,
1: uh, of what we're talking about here, Rublev's going to be able to take advantage of that way more than Dan Evans will ever be able to, unfortunately. But and and Rublev
0: faced Cressy, so he's already familiar with bigger servers in this tournament.
1: Absolutely, Anissiyok is not even n- not a big server, but uh, I- I- Rublev. Every ball will be in play for Rublev. Rublev will have a chance to touch the ball at every single point, uh, pretty much in the entire match. So I, I, I can't go. I can't go away from that.
0: Yeah, but if you were expecting us to take some huge long shot plays, sorry, not sorry. I mean, there's been a couple of Cinderella stories. Unfortunately, it seems like the clock's about to strike midnight, so we kind of planned accordingly. But either way, that's our thoughts for the Saturday card. Before we wrap up, though, Sam, let the people know what you're up to and anything else you want them to know.
1: Yeah, so uh, in, that, in that City Open final, if we get what we're talking about correct, Rublev versus Kyrgyz, you're taking the Rublev plus 140. Is that is that right? If, if I was going to
0: take one out right now, I would take Rublev because even though Kyrgios beat Tiafo, it really looked like he was punting points at times and the effort level was not there. I know Rublev is going to give effort, so I'll take the plus one forty. You-, you
1: think you think that lack of effort came from just the the players' relationship there? Because I I, I know they were they were smiling pretty much on every single point. So maybe Kyrgyz kind of, you know, threw it away because if they have a good relationship together, I don't think it's the same, exact same way in the slightest with Rublev. Who's At some point, it's flipped player, so. because.
0: Tiafo hit the net court a couple times in the third set, and he didn't even give the fake sorry, not sorry uh, gesture towards Kyrgios. So at some point, it might have flipped and they hated each other. I don't, I don't really know. But the movements that concern, especially with the weather, if it's a 90-something degrees, and I know that Kyrgios is not afraid to implode at random times – the weather does concern me because if Kyrios is having a bad time, goes down an early break, and it's a 90-something degrees, I think he might punt.
1: Well, you know my stance if you've listened to this podcast in the past. I'm completely with you with the Kyrgios punting job. Uh, he's done it multiple, multiple, multiple times. If He, he decides- tried to do it tonight,
0: or last he- night, I should say. He tried to, but he had a lucky return <laughs> Uh, in the tie break he basically was punting the actual match and he ended up winning
1: right yeah if he sees so much too much of a challenge with rublev or momentum going rublev's way you might have an issue with Kyrgyz, and that's why i'm completely on your side you never know if Kyrgyz is going to see rublev returning his serves which we have not seen so far and then get frustrated or anything like that so i'm with you on that plus 140 from taking it out right in the final but it should be interesting to see the money lines when we get to the final if we do – the, and the spreads and totals um, if we do get what we say that we think is going to happen with the Kyrgios Rublev final. But, yeah, you could see me here on this podcast uh, every time with Scott uh, and at Sam Jacob Tennis on Twitter. Uh, you could always follow me there uh, coming out with tennis, uh, tennis uh, content.
0: Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at Reishow Radio. Besides that, still keeping busy. Got the, uh, of course, WNBA Gambling Podcast. Got the NBA Gambling Podcast. Occasionally on the MLB Gambling Podcast. Hint, hint, we might have something for football, so stay tuned for that for the NFL. But keeping busy and looking forward to breaking down more tennis. We should be back at some point, either Sunday or Monday, going through the upcoming tournaments because there's a couple of big ones to go through. But until then, good luck to all of you and all your bets. Bye, everyone.